Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Symbol. Guys, we have a brand new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you can earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the nearly 7,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.symbol.com to create a free account, and when you deposit, make sure you use the promo code SD, as in sports drink, to make your deposit risk-free. Again, that's www.simbull.com and use the promo code SD and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. (laughs) This episode is also brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, the Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E. It's, uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D period, but they didn't. So follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, and join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club 34-7. What's up, guys? Here we are to uh, finally do the deep dive preview for week number seven between our beloved Chicago Bears and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending world champions, uh, going back out on the road uh, to Raymond James Stadium uh, to see if uh, Brady can exact his revenge for us finally beating him uh, for the first time last season on Thursday night football. So um, uh, odds are pretty good that he's going to get his revenge. And uh, not many uh, Bears supporters are, quite frankly, looking forward uh, to this one because the world champs have looked legit while vulnerable at times, but... Uh, You know, they've scored 45 points or more twice already this season. And uh, I think their lowest point total of the season, even in a losing effort, was 24. So uh, these guys score points, and tragically, our offense does not. So unless we manage to completely shut down uh, uh, Brady and company on offense, we're likely looking at a very long afternoon. Uh, down in Tampa, so I'm 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 envisioning you know to be completely honest as as dreadful as I've spoken uh, about this game uh, you know uh, being the pessimist that I can be uh, at times I'm honestly seeing something more along the lines of the Cleveland game where you know hopefully we're not being annihilated like that on on our offense but to where the game is close. 
and then in the fourth quarter, the dam breaks kind of thing. And, you, you know, it was 13-6 to six going into the fourth quarter, but in the fourth quarter, the Brady and company are able to put together a couple of scoring drives and, you know, what was a, you know, uh, you know, 17 to 10 kind of game all of a sudden becomes a 31 to 10 uh, kind of game. That's that's kind of what uh, I'm I'm thinking right now as far as like it's going to be because our defense is our defense and because I think I, I have a lot of faith in Sean Desai. I think it will be close up until the end and then in the fourth quarter something will happen. The Tampa Bay will pull away and, uh, and uh, you know, we won't be able to answer offensively. So, that's my chief concern right now. If we were going in, like if we had, you know, back-to-back-to-back games like the ones we had with Detroit and 24 points a game and, you know, the offense has got some explosive plays under its belt and so on. We'll talk about that more in, in keys to the game uh, there at the end. But um, but if it looked more like that, then I think I'd be a bit more optimistic going into this one. But, um, you know, we, we struggled with, with scoring points and being consistent in putting drives together against the Raiders despite putting 20 points on the board. And then last week against the Packers, we had a great first drive and basically a great last drive, and that was it. So uh, we can't have lulls like that against teams like this. And um, coming off the heels of, of that game, that's where you kind of worry about how this Sunday afternoon is going to go. So... Let's go ahead and get into it. This is the week seven preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. Ringing out loud and I don't So I've had some time to think about it, and I haven't um, been speaking or thinking. Now that I'm thinking more rationally and not emotionally, you know, because you guys know how I said we were going to get annihilated by the Buccaneers during my fourth quarter knee-jerk reaction, I've pretty much held that attitude all week long until I sat down um, last night and started trying to think about keys to the game and and what it would take to to win uh, a football game against Brady uh, and company uh, and everything. And that's where I just kind of came along the what I feel is more realistic as far as the team that they have, the team that we have, uh, what we're capable of on offense, and especially in this case, uh, what more what we're capable of on defense. And I think we're capable of uh, reigning Brady and company in, but the sheer volume of the Buccaneers being good against the run and that being our primary source of offense so far uh, this season that – I think the game can be close, uh, can be competitive, and then like in, in, in the Cleveland game, the dam will break in the fourth quarter, and that's where the point margin will come up because, uh, you know, going throughout the game and how competitive it was against the Rams, how competitive or how well our defense played against Cleveland, I should say, um, I think those games were actually a little bit closer than the final score would indicate but, you know, with the, with the Rams, it was just those two big plays that got away from us. With the, with the Browns, it was the, 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 you know, just the lack of anything offensive in that game. I mean, the offense was offensive to watch. Ha, ha, ha. But, you know, other than that, the defense played an outstanding game. <laughs> the fact that our offense gave up nine sacks in that game overshadowed the fact that our defense got five uh, in that game. But, you know, it just... Uh, but it, it was just a matter of the it being too much for the defense in the end 
the volume of plays of them being out there that much uh, just kind of broke in the fourth quarter. And that's where the 26 to six margin uh, came from with it being a 13 to six ball game going into the fourth quarter. I'm kind of envisioning something like that for this game. You know, the defense has the juice to get us through the first three quarters to make it, uh, you know, a competitive game, maybe like a one score game going into the fourth quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, the, you know, the volume of our defense being out there and Brady and company finally figuring it out, getting the big play they've been trying to get all day. And the next thing you know, it goes from, you know, a 14 to 10 or a 17 to 10 to all of a sudden. It's 24, it's 30, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that's where, uh, you know, the Buccaneers might be able to recover this uh, cover, this ridiculous spread of like 13 points or something like that. But as we move on to uh, news and uh, notes, we'll uh, we'll also get into the at the end of the keys to the game uh, to kind of um, to talk more about, uh, you know, what I was saying to the Pewtercast guys yesterday with the, uh, you know, the unforeseen things the Bears could do or what it will take for the Bears to be able to steal a win uh, from the Buccaneers. I'll uh, expound on that a bit more and other ideas that I have for for the Bears trying to gain some kind of advantage uh, in this game. But uh, the first things first, um, unfortunately, I haven't been able to find anything on the status of Robert Quinn. Uh, at this point and he I think of our two COVID players he's the more important of the two especially considering the guy we're going up against um in Brady that uh you know Robert Quinn in the way that he's playing we don't want him missing this game we need him uh we need every bullet we have in the chamber and he's definitely one of our best bullets and uh we need him out there rushing the passer on Sunday I have yet to hear anything about his status uh for the game or at least anything from a valid source. I've seen some posts here and there from random Bears Twitter people, but not actual, you know, journalists who might have evidence to back up what they have to say. So I haven't seen anything on Robert Quinn uh, as of uh, t- as of tonight, Thursday night. But I did see a tweet from Adam Schefter that says uh, Bears running back Damian Williams on the COVID reserve list. Was not at practice again today, this being Thursday, and couldn't be cleared until Saturday at the earliest. And this is something that I didn't know because he's unvaccinated. And uh, there's a mandatory 10-day waiting period, so Saturday being the earliest that he could be cleared because we didn't find out until, what, last Wednesday or Thursday that he had COVID or that, you know, he went went into the COVID protocol so the whole uh two tests in 24 hours or 48 hours or whatever the protocol is he didn't qualify for it because he's not vaccinated so i'm not going to get into the politics of vaccinated unvaccinated this is more about you know this like this is why you get vaccinated in the nfl so god forbid something happens you only have to go into a 48-hour protocol or a 72-hour protocol instead of a mandatory 10-day waiting period. Um, that's <laughs> Anyway, so I didn't know that about Damian Williams last week, so my optimism of him playing against Green Bay uh, would not have existed had I known that he was an unvaccinated player. But 
I don't know what Robert Quinn is. I believe he's vaccinated, but uh, I haven't heard otherwise. So I don't know what the status is for uh, Quinn, but there's your status on Damian Williams. So, yeah. So I'm disappointed to hear that he's not vaccinated. And like again, it's not a political thing. It's more of in the world of the NFL, your life is much simpler if you get the vaccination than if you didn't. Because if you didn't get the vaccination, this is what happens. 10-day mandatory waiting period uh, before you can, you know, even rejoin uh, your team versus if you got the vaccination, you just have to make sure that you test negative two times in 28 hours or 48 hours, whatever uh, it is. So it's a much simpler solution if you go ahead and get the vaccination as opposed to this nonsense here. So we probably won't hear... So, number one, it's not looking good at all for Damian Williams to be back on the team uh, in time for the game on Sunday. And, um, you know, just uh, anyway. So, let's move on. Um, Speaking of uh, Tom Brady uh, and company, uh, he has decided to uh, co-sign on the ownership of the Bears by Aaron Rodgers, apparently Tom Brady does a weekly radio show or something like that. Uh, I did not know that. And uh, he congratulated Aaron Rodgers on his new uh, shareholder stake in the uh, in the Bears. Um, he didn't uh, add on to that by saying that, you know, of course, uh, you know, he was undefeated against the Bears until last year and blah, 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 blah. But, uh, you know, here's another another guy kind of piling on to this uh this thing that won't go away and i'm kind of glad in a little in a sense that it won't go away because like i said i hope that the bears use this properly as the motivation that you know olin Cruz, who hasn't played in a decade is using it as because he wants to punch aaron Rodgers in the face so I'm hoping that we've got 53 guys at Hallis Hall that feel exactly the same way that Olin Krutz does so that when we see the Packers on Sunday Night Football in, what, week 13, week 14, uh, we take it out on him. And uh, we make him pay for saying those words, and we leave Lambeau saying we own Lambeau Field. So I I would very much like that. So uh, it, it gives an emotional um, spur to the story that, uh, you know, We've been we've had to wait six, eight, seven weeks, whatever it's going to be, uh, between games to answer Aaron Rodgers because quite literally that was one of the last things to happen in that game last Sunday was Rodgers scoring that touchdown and screaming "I still own you" and blah 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 to the to the crowd uh, and everything. And also, um, Adam Hogue made a really interesting point on the Hogan Johns podcast yesterday, saying that. Um, Rodgers probably, based on these that stupid-ass taunting rule that's in place now, Rodgers probably should have been flagged for saying that. Granted, he wasn't saying that to a fellow player or to a, you know, or to a, one of the Bears or anything like that, but just the fact that he was screaming that at paying fans in the, in the stands and everything, that's taunting, isn't it? I mean, just to be completely petty, which is what that rule appear, appears to be, in my opinion. You know, Aaron Rodgers grabs uh, Mario Edwards by the face mask. Mario Edwards talks trash to him, and it's Edwards who gets the flag and not Rodgers. So, you know, as petty and stupid as this penalty appears to be, shouldn't there have been flags all over the place when Rodgers is telling the 
uh, Chicago faithful that he owns them. So, you know, I just I just thought it was funny that he would brought it up. It's like, yeah, as dumb as this penalty appears to be, that falls under the category of what this taunting rule apparently is. So why wasn't Aaron Rodgers flagged or fined or anything like that for the taunting that he did that he's actually being praised for around the league? And to tell you the truth, as much as I hate it, he's not wrong. So you can't, it just, it's, it, it sucks that he's right. You know what I mean? He does own the bears. He's got a 22 and five record in 27 games, including the NFC championship game back in 2010. He does own the bears. I, and I would hate to know what his winning percentage in soldier field actually is. Cause I think we've beaten them more in Lambeau than we have in Chicago. I don't, of those five losses, I think at least three of them are in Lambeau. So it's like we can't even figure out how to beat him in Soldier Field. So he definitely does own the place, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it just um, I just hope that we can use that to our, our motivation and uh, that we can uh, make him eat his words when we see him again uh, towards the end of the year. So uh, we'll have to wait and see that. But, of course, Brady uh, taking an opportunity to uh, pounce on it and uh, – make it a thing on his radio show congratulating Rodgers for his new shareholder stake in the Bears because he owns us, uh, wink, wink. And uh, there you have that. But um, anyway, these next couple of stories, I would like to give credit to Eric Lambert, our friend from sportsmockery.com. Uh, There's some of the headlines that he's been pushing out uh, this week. He writes a lot of really great stuff. So if you guys go uh, follow him on, on Twitter, and uh, you get at least a few articles a day, some interesting uh, things. And um, one of the things that I found most interesting was that apparently the, the Bears, at the very least, have a working name of the, of the, uh, of the new stadium uh, for Arlington Heights. And it's one I think every Bear fan can co-sign on. Uh, apparently, the, the rumor is right now that, you know, the Bears aren't going to sell naming rights or, you know, or what have you. I know we're years away from this being a real discussion right now, but apparently right here, right now, if we, you know, let's just say we snap our fingers and there's a stadium in Arlington Heights, you would be coming to play the Chicago Bears in George S. Hallis Stadium in Arlington Heights. So that is awesome to be able to name the stadium after Papa Bear founder of the organization, co-founder of the National Football League. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's sad that the Bears won't be in Soldier Field anymore and to have an iconic stadium name like Soldier Field, but to name the stadium after an icon in George Hallis, I'm all about that all day long. I'll take that. Absolutely. So that would be pretty great if that's what it ends up uh, being and I can't think of a Bear fan out there that wouldn't want to 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 have the Bears playing in George Hallis Stadium versus you know Pizza Hut Stadium or something like that. Because remember, for a while in the in the early 2010s, the Bears sold kind of sold naming rights to Soldier Field, but it was like Soldier Field presented by U.S. Bank or something ridiculous. Like that, like that became the the name of the stadium. Like they they sort of kind of sold naming rights to Soldier Field, and it was like it was, I think it was Chase Bank actually, but Soldier Field presented by Chase Bank was the name of the stadium for a while. So yeah, 
I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear Georgia's Hallis Stadium presented by Starbucks or whatever. Just Georgia's Hallis Stadium. There will be so many other ways to make up the revenue that we could get from naming rights uh, and things like that. It would be pretty awesome to have Georgia's Hallis Stadium, the home of the Chicago Bears. Because um, I didn't know this, but I read this in Eric's uh, article that apparently before Papa Bear died, he was trying to get the Bears out of Soldier Field. He just didn't live long enough to see it actually happen. So the Bears had been there since 1971. And I think he had the same issues then that, that you know, most Bear fans and even the McCaskies uh, have now is that we don't own Soldier Field. We don't even own the land Soldier Field is on. It's owned by the Chicago Park District. So the Bears are one of the few teams, if not the only team in the league, that don't own their own stadium. And uh, I think that's one of the major appealing points of moving to, so, moving to uh, Arlington Heights. And if that's what ends up being the name of the stadium, that's all the reason I need for them to actually do it. To play in Georgia's Hallis Stadium, I'm down for sure. So... But as we move towards our uh, injury report, um, apparently um, Juan Castillo has been keeping our injured uh, rookie tackles, uh, Larry Borum and uh, Tevin Jenkins, busy uh, in their recovery from their um, you know respective injuries. Uh, Larry Borum suffered the high ankle sprain uh, against the Rams uh, week one, and of course Tevin Jenkins never got off the ground. Uh, with his back injury in uh, training camp, but he's been keeping them involved, keeping them engaged. And what he's been doing is actually having them study the respective pass rushers that we have coming up this uh, coming up each week and having the two of them present their findings to the offensive line room so that they're, you know, they're studying film, they're studying the tendencies of the guys that they would be playing against. Were they healthy enough to be, out there and the article also talked about uh, Jason Peters being an unbelievable resource for these guys so it was almost like a this is the silver lining to the disastrous offensive line situation that we had in training camp was calling Jason Peters while he's fishing on a you know a riverbank somewhere in Atlanta I believe is where he was and uh, you know literally pulling him off the street to be our starting left tackle and he's been doing better and better each week. He still has his moments where I'm 39 and I've lost a step. But more times than not, Jason Peters is a beast uh, out there. He's doing things that, uh, you know, definitely show where his Hall of Fame, his future Hall of Fame reputation uh, come from. And he's also an 18-year veteran. So he's got 18 years of experience to share with these two guys that quite literally guys in 2022 could be our starting right and left tackles. So, you know, helping them get as ready mentally as they possibly can until they're ready physically to step into those uh, roles is uh, very interesting. And I, and I, I really liked reading that story that that's what Juan Castillo is doing, that he's keeping those guys involved, that he's keeping them engaged because, you know, what you see a lot in football, uh, just in football period, is that when you're hurt, you're kind of separate from the team because you're recovering, because you spend your day rehabbing and icing and stretching and, you know, uh, uh, heating up and, you know, all that kind of stuff, getting stimulation uh, treatments and things like that while everybody else is lifting weights and, 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 you know, going to meetings and stuff like that. 
you're off and you're separate, living a completely separate life from your teammates uh, in the facility. So it's nice to see or to hear that this is what Juan Castillo is doing uh, with these guys. So I know that uh, Borum is more likely to play. Um, and I don't know if I want Tevin Jenkins to play this year. But, um, you know, with, with the back injury and everything and the fact that he's still probably a month or so away at the earliest from being able to play because they said November would be a respective return date for him. And I know that it's here it is. It's the 20th or 22nd. When you guys are hearing this, it'd be the 22nd of, uh, uh, of October. So we're only, what, 10 days away from October, or excuse me, November 1st. So it's just around the corner. But, you know, I don't know if I want him to play. I, and number two, I think Peters is, is playing very well, actually. So uh, I don't think I want either of those guys. Well, I mean, Borum, I think, uh, to, to replace Safidi, um, if we need him to. But I also like what I've seen from Elijah Wilkerson. So it's kind of a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. If, if they're better in the pass rush, then yeah, okay, let's think about it. But as far as like just not rocking the boat right now with the offensive line, uh, I think we're okay without these guys for now. Like we should be looking at these guys as more of future pieces or at the very least, at the very least, depth pieces for what we have in our offensive line room right now. But uh, I was very happy to hear that uh, or to read that um, we've been keeping them busy, engaged, and also keeping them as part of the team so that they feel like part of the team and, uh, you know, presenting their their uh, findings on the pass rushers and things like that uh, in the offensive line room I thought was a very cool thing uh, to see. So, so now we move on to our injury report. And uh, I don't know how much faith I put into these injury reports, to be quite frank, because it always seems like the list just keeps growing uh, with, with names and, and, you know, injuries and stuff. And then all of these guys play. So it's like, why are they even on this list? But we'll get through it. Um, we only have two, three full participants on this list. Uh, one is Xavier Crawford. He has uh, an injury, uh, back injury. He's been full go. Khalil Herbert apparently has some kind of shoulder injury, but he's been full go so far this week. And then Jimmy Graham keeps showing up on this because apparently Wednesday is his you know veteran day off. So he's on the injury report because he doesn't practice on Wednesday, but he's full participation on Thursday. And it even says non-injury. So, like, why put him on the list in the first place? So I never got that. But our limited participants, Tashawn Gibson with a hip injury on Wednesday, was limited on Wednesday but did not practice today on Thursday. So I don't know what's going on there. And with Deion Bush being put on injured reserve, I'm not liking the prospects of how that could possibly turn out. Um, uh, J.P. Holtz with the quad injury that's kept him out the couple, last couple weeks has been limited on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, Caleb Johnson, who's been out with a knee injury the last couple of weeks, no practice Wednesday, limited today. Darnell Mooney with the groin injury was limited yesterday and today. Allen Robinson with an ankle injury, no practice Wednesday, limited Thursday. And Duke Shelley, limited Thursday with an ankle injury uh, as well. And then our non-participants, Jakeem Grant with an ankle injury. He did come up kind of, he did come up limping at one point during the Packer game uh, on a return. He hasn't practiced yet with the ankle injury. He did finish the game. He did have a couple of returns after the moment he appeared to get hurt. So, 
Maybe it's just a precautionary thing. Akeem Hicks hasn't practiced yet with the groin injury. Khalil Mack still not practicing with that foot injury. And Bilal Nichols, this is the one that had me worried, was not on the injury report Wednesday, did not practice Thursday because of a knee injury. So did he do something to himself on on Wednesday, which led him not to practice on Thursday? Or was this, uh, you know, I'm sore today, so let's just sit him out kind of thing. Not a lot of context there, but that's uh, what we're looking at. So a lot of important names on that list, like Hicks and uh, Mack and Nichols, and, you know, even though he's not playing very well, Gibson uh, on that list. But uh, we'll see how it all shakes out uh, on Sunday. Uh, A lot of times what we see on this injury list, like I said, turns out to be much ado uh, about nothing. You know, we see Khalil Mack doesn't practice all week long with a foot injury, but he plays every defensive snap that he possibly can on Sunday. So seeing his name on this list doesn't exactly get us worried until I see them carting him off the field. uh, I will continue to uh, have faith that uh, come Sunday uh, for kickoff, Khalil Mack will be on the field. So anyway, let's go ahead and take a quick break. That'll do it for news and notes. We'll give ear to our sponsors for a moment, and we'll come back with keys to the game and wrap this bad boy up. (laughs) This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, Spotify Green Room is free, audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Talk with other sports fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. Join in on conversations with me at Club 34-7 and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast. I'll be hosting rooms every week. Uh, for Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come through and talk to me live on Club 34-7. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live. And again, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, you can join me on the Spotify Green Room for Club 34-7. Come in, let's have a conversation, let's talk bears, let's talk whatever you want. But in order to do that, you got to download the Spotify Green Room anywhere you get your apps. <laughs> this episode is also brought to you by Symbol. Symbol is the sports stock market that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time a team you own wins, you earn a cash win payout. Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in value, you can buy low and sell high for a profit. Use promo code SD, as in sports drink, to make your first deposit risk-free. That means even if you lose money or just decide the market isn't for you, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. (laughs) Keys to the game for week number seven between our beloved Chicago Bears and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So let's uh, put my put my head to work here and try to figure out what we can do. So, I mean, I, I said to the PewterCast guys that uh, when they asked me, you know, if the Bears are walking and getting on the plane Sunday night after the matchup with a victory, what happened? How did they win? And, you know, my, my answer was something unforeseen. And, and, and my example was turnovers that we forced the turnovers or we won the turnover battle, which is how we've won the other three games that we won. Uh, even though our our uh, turnover against the Raiders was kind of inconsequential, the theme holds. We won the turnover battle against the Raiders. We won the uh, football game. 
we had a four to one turnover uh, ratio against the Bengals. We had a two to nothing advantage over the Lions. So, I mean, it's just that's been our key to success so far. The defense forces turnovers. We win the football game. That would be the simplest way as far as, you know, saying how is it the Bears were able to beat a team like the Buccaneers, something that you don't plan for. You don't plan on turning over uh, the football. You do everything you can in practice to avoid those types of things, and you don't really game plan for what happens if you do. So uh, you don't have enough time in the day to do that. So, um, but... Um, the other things that, that, I mean, even, you know, Ren had, had talked about was that uh, a special teams touchdown, a defensive touchdown, and that is one of my keys to the game, actually. You know, kind of going on that point was for um, Sean Desai to take a chance every once in a while and go after Brady. You know, send six guys, seven guys, whatever, to get to Brady as quickly as possible to see if he will try to get the ball uh, away, maybe throw, uh, or maybe he gets his arm brushed while he's trying to get the ball off and thing like that. Not that Brady would, would you know, he, the guy doesn't make a lot of mistakes. That's basically why he is who he is. But um, every now and then, just like every other quarterback would, you see the rush coming, you want to get rid of the football, and sometimes you don't get it off in time. So it's like we get to Brady just in time as he's trying to throw the ball, arm gets hit, hands gets brushed, something like that. It uh, gets a you know a thrown off uh, a thrown off its trajectory, and the next thing you know, oh, there's Alec Ogletree under the ball, and he's taking it back, you know that kind of thing, or uh, kind of like the the Lions game, the ball just comes flying, and or, or actually the Bengals game, I meant, uh, here's the ball comes and it's been tipped, and there's Angelo Blackson that's just all of a sudden going to come down with the with the interception. Um, it might end up hurting us because Brady will is good enough to beat any blitz that's being thrown at him, but it's worth taking the chance. And I'm not saying he should spend the whole game sending eight people uh, trying to get after uh, Brady. That would be insane. But I'm saying that it wouldn't kill the Bears to take a shot every once in a while. I was like, I know that our pass rush has been playing well enough that we're getting home with four guys and we don't really need to do that. But um, I think that uh, it wouldn't hurt to do that every once in a while, mostly because the Bears don't blitz very much, uh, and I would like to see the Bears get home on the rare opportunities that they do try because our our pass rush has been outstanding so far, but we also might be missing a key piece of it going into this game with Robert Quinn and his COVID status. So uh, I would very much like to see uh, the Bears take a shot at Brady and send the house and uh, see if we can't – force a turnover, force a mistake to uh, use it to our advantage. Because as much as I hate to say it, we are very much the inferior team here. So it's, uh, it's something that we need to do in order to gain any kind of small advantage over the Buccaneers. And, and even if that small advantage is to force a turnover or to force a, a, you know, like go after him on third down when they're in their own territory – so that we have a shorter field to deal with when they punt the ball back to us. It's the little things. So that was one of the thoughts that I had. And the main theme for uh, my keys to the game was got to risk it for the biscuit. And in this case, biscuits are touchdowns because we need to get our hands on a few of those if we want to win this game. Because like I said before, 
Brady and that offense are not unfamiliar at all with the end zone like we are. So I think they've scored more touchdowns in two games than we have all season. And uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're very good at finding the end zone. They found it several times in pretty much every game they played. Their lowest point total was 19 in a victory over the Patriots a couple of weeks ago. But surprise, surprise, Brady going up against Belichick. Playing and coaching that guy for 20 years, he might know a thing or two about how to, uh, how to stop him or slow him down, you know, that kind of thing. So no real surprise that that game was close at all, at least not in my opinion uh, anyway. But um, even when they lost to the Rams a couple of weeks ago, they scored 24 points, uh, you know, and they scored 40-plus points twice uh, so far. They scored 30 against the Cowboys uh, on week one and, and things like that. They know how to score points. They find their way into uh, the end zone. So we need to be able to match that in one one way or another. And where I was saying that Sean Desai needs to take a risk maybe once or twice in the game and just full on go after Brady to see if we can force something in that situation, we need to do the same thing with the passing game because we, you know, we weren't able to take advantage of it last week with the banged-up secondary that the Packers brought to town. But you heard Ren and, and Steve from the Pewtercast talking about how they probably won't have any starters on the field when we play them on Sunday in their secondary. We got to test this busted-up secondary. We got to try. You know, we have to. So, uh, you know, use the same strategy that we used against the, the Lions that was so successful. Max protection, keep six, seven guys in. We've got three receivers in the pattern. Somebody go out there and get open, see if Justin Fields can hit you uh, for a chunk play or a big play or a touchdown, God forbid, and see if we can make that happen. And And here's the key, the key of the keys. It has to be play action because with the success that we've had with the running game, despite who the running back is, would be an easy, would be an easy sell on the defense. It would definitely freeze the linebackers. It would give the safeties pause for that moment. And that moment is all you need for a Darnell Mooney or, uh, you know, a Marquez Goodwin or a uh, Marquise Goodwin, excuse me, or, or Allen Robinson, or even a Cole Komet down the middle of the field to find a soft spot in the zone and get open. That second is all you need in the NFL. It has to come off of play action. It can't just be a straight I mean, it probably will be at some point or another, but I think that we'll find our greatest success in situations like that off of play action because we've been good enough in the running game that no matter who we put back there, they're gaining yards. You know, we thought that, oh, God, when Montgomery went down against Detroit, well, there goes the neighborhood on the running game. Nope. Following week against the Raiders, 60 yards plus from each of our running backs. And then last week when the rookie was calling the load all by himself, 90-plus yards on 19 carries, so nearly five yards uh, per carry uh, with, uh, you know, by himself. So the offensive line is getting it done in the running game. So trying to make the defense pause on play action shouldn't be a hard sell. That should be able to get us some kind of advantage in the play action passing game. But when we take our shots, it's got to come off of play action to give our guys that second that they need to get the separation, to be able to get into their routes, to find the open spot in the zone, to be able to get these uh, chunk plays. And then the last key that I had was, um, you know, 
maybe use a little trickery to get a big play, you know, fake punt, flea flicker, uh, pass off of a, a reverse or something like that. Open up the playbook and take a chance. You know, that's what you see from, from teams that are playing against um, superior talent, you know, because if you weigh the two, our offense versus their defense, their defense is definitely better than our offense. So we need to do what we can to take an advantage. Now, I know that we're not some crappy like one in 15 Jaguars team or whatever. We actually have somewhat of a competent offense. It's just not a big play, big strike offense that has and it's not consistently found the end zone in any game so far uh, this year. So we need to take our chances and and take these moments where we can uh, to try to find the you know get the the defense with their pants down and uh, you know take advantage of, of a big play uh, in some case you know we're supposed to lose by thirteen points in this game that's the spread it's it was twelve and a half or thirteen or, or whatever so let's play like we got nothing to lose I know it's only week seven and there's still ten games left in the year after this but. Nobody expects us to win. So it doesn't matter if we lose because we were supposed to. So let's do whatever we can to give ourselves an advantage to go out there and win this game. That's just how I feel uh, about it. You know, let's just throw the book at them, see what happens. And in the end, if we get a win, it worked out. If we didn't, we were supposed to lose anyway. So it's no skin uh, off our backs. So uh, that's what I would like to see. I would like to see the Bears, you know, not so much being desperate or anything like that. But playing like there's nothing to lose, that's, uh, that's an attitude we've seldom see the Bears uh, come across or use uh, in 2021. So, or in any time during the Matt Nagy era, quite frankly. So uh, I would just like to see us go out there, uh, do whatever we can to have fun, try to put some points on the board, try to steal some points here and there. Well, like I said, whether it be a fake punt or a, a fake field goal, something they don't see coming and uh, see if we can catch them and, and put some points on the board that we uh, wouldn't necessarily have earned otherwise. So there you have it. So I still <laughs> I still think Tampa Bay is probably going to win the game, especially with a spread like that, with the way they've played, with the way we've played. I, I'm I'm banking on a on a Buccaneer victory. But as usual, can we beat the Buccaneers? Yes, I absolutely believe that we can. Will we? Maybe not so much, but. I would be more than thrilled, again, to be wrong about it, to eat every word that I'm saying today uh, as far as my negative attitude towards this game since the fourth quarter of the Packer game uh, and whatnot. I'd be very happy to come to you on the Bear Up, Bear Down episode talking about wasn't it awesome. It just feels awesome to be wrong about this team sometimes. And, uh, you know, every once in a while they surprise you. And to have a victory under our belt uh, before returning home to play the 49ers next weekend. So, Anyway, guys, that is going to do it for the Week 7 Deep Dive Preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Be sure to come back on Monday for the Bear Up, Bear Down episode, and then once again on Tuesday for the Deep Dive Review. Close the book on week number seven so we can move on and get ready for Bears 49ers on Halloween next Sunday. So um, enjoy the game this weekend. Hopefully we do enjoy it. Hopefully it is a competitive uh, ball game and and not the unmitigated disaster that the spread would have us believe it's going to be and uh you know we come back thinking like man we just barely lost it or or maybe even in a loss this was the revelation that our team needed like being that close we almost beat the world champions on their home ground and blah 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 let's use that and move forward from here uh you know building on that 
uh, going forward for the rest of 2021. So come on back on Monday. We'll see how it all worked out. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.